Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everybody. Dr. Mike here. I just want to remind you that Dr. Matt and I have now created a Patreon account. That means you can support us. You can support our videos on our YouTube channel. You can support our podcast as well. Now, just to let you know, if you want to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com forward slash medical podcast. That's patreon.com forward slash medical podcast. And we've actually now created a number of tiers that you can support us with. So for example, if you donate $5 or more per month, you'll receive Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's medical merchandise. So you may get a hat, you may get a shirt, you may get pens, you may get stickers, you may get a number of different types of merch. So after six months of ongoing support, we will begin to send you this Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's medical merchandise. That's just for $5 a month. Now, if you pledge $10 a month, you'll get the merchandise, but also you, we will record a podcast on a topic of your choice. Perfect. That's $10 a month. If you were to become a patron for $25 or more a month, Well, every month, every single month, you will receive an audio file from us on a topic of your choice. So whether that be a topic talking about certain types of drug interactions, maybe it's the anatomy of the kidney, maybe it's the physiology of diuretics, it's up to you. So every month, if you donate $25 a month, we'll record an audio file for you. If it's $50 a month, well, you receive a video recording on a topic of your choice. If you watch our YouTube videos, it'll be like that. We, you will tell us what you want us to record a video on, and we will record it for you every single month if you pledge $50 or more every month. Now, here's our top tier. If you pledge $100 or more a month, every month you will receive a live stream YouTube tutorial with both Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike, both of us. We'll do a tutorial for you live online for 30 minutes on a topic of your choice. You can even do this with friends. If you have a group of people and you want a private tutorial, it could be on whatever topic that we all agree upon. You can all put in $100 a month. We'll do a live stream tutorial for you. So please, if you want to pledge, go to Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's medical podcast. I specifically ask you to go to patreon.com forward slash medical podcast. That's patreon.com forward slash medical podcast. Now, time for the show. All right, time to explore the human body. Dr. Matt Barton, Dr. Mike Todorovic are here from Dr. Matt and Mike's medical podcast. They asked for this music, by the way. Mm. Uh, Is that our crest? Tonight, um, it's Epilepsy Week. We're talking about epilepsy, which uh, makes sense. So, Matt and Mike, uh, let, let's start with a case scenario. We showed up today. That was really good. See, I hadn't told the listening, <laughs> the good listening people of the ABC that last week, when the lads weren't here, is because 
One of them, we won't tell you which one. Oh, it was Matt. 100% it was Matt. <laughs> misread the email that said, uh, yeah, we've got, a bu- we've got a budget next Tuesday and uh, or Tuesday week and don't turn up. Instead, he didn't turn up He last just read, week. don't turn up. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, if you missed them last week, that's why. Hmm. If you didn't, well... Sorry. All right, give us a case study on epilepsy. Okay, so we've got a, a 16-year-old boy who presents to ED with the first-time seizure event after attending an all-night party and consuming some alcohol. Witnesses describe the seizure as beginning abruptly with limb stiffening, followed by jerking movements in all limbs, but the patient has no memory of these symptoms prior to the seizure. The event seemed to last for about a minute uh, and the patient was quite tired afterwards. After he came into uh, ED, some history found that um, the patient did experience some jerks in the morning in his limbs and shoulder, which uh, allowed him or caused him to drop things, but these seemed to disappear during the rest of the day. Okay. And so later on he was diagnosed with epilepsy. So hmm. with all those kind of subtle things in terms of the seizures and what kind of went on, we will kind of go through that tonight. Mm. All right. Mm. So um, what is epilepsy, Mike? So epilepsy is uh, recurrent seizures, uh, usually two or more, and they're often unprovoked seizures. So provoked seizures are seizures that are caused by, could be a fever, could be drug interactions or poisonings, could be a tumour, for example. And so often the diagnosis of a seizure needs to be two or more, uh, of epilepsy, sorry, is two or more seizures of an unprovoked nature. Is it happening in the brain? Yes, that's right. So when you look at seizures, uh, seizures are these abnormal and excessive firings of the neurons of the cortex. So the cortex is that most external two to three millimeters of the brain. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, some of these neurons or groups of neurons will fire excessively and abnormally. And then this can spread throughout the brain. And depending on where it's firing from can depend on the way that the seizure manifests. Does it fire from different places for different people? Yes. So when you classify seizures, you can classify them by two major categories. You can have generalized seizures. And this is where basically both hemispheres, neurons in both hemispheres of the brain are firing off or misfiring. Then you can have partial seizures, also known as focal seizures, and this is where just very specific or localised parts of the brain are firing off, usually just one hemisphere. And so you even have subcategories of each of those. If we look at Mm -hmm. those focal or partial seizures, you can break them up into simple and complex seizures. Now, We don't necessarily use the simple and complex terminology too often nowadays, but it basically referred to the degree of consciousness Mm -hmm. the individual would have. So simple means you're fully conscious. Uh, Complex meant that you have an altered state of consciousness. But it's Mm -hmm. actually quite difficult to sort of determine the degree of consciousness for an individual suffering a seizure. So they tend to look at it in accordance with whether it's a sensory seizure or a motor seizure or an autonomic seizure, for example. So a, a sensory seizure would be something in which it alters the way you sense things. So it could be mm-hmm. taste, sight, sound. Um, so does that 
kick it off or is that altered when you're having the seizure or after you've had the seizure when you say a sensory one so for example oh, yeah. i think we all you know that know those warnings when we go into nightclubs in the you know the old dark ages when I used to go to nightclubs mm. or shows where they say flashing lights are going to be used mm. here is or the strobe effect. Um, that's what I think most people sort of know as one of the things that might trigger, trigger. An, yeah. an epileptic seizure. Um, so well, I don't know well, what the question I think, was. Well, in terms of <laughs> a, I think your question was in terms of the sensory perceptions that the person's having. Yes, thank you. Yes. Um, sometimes say with a simple uh, focal seizure they might just certain visual changes while let's say I'm talking to you you might start mm. to see lights kind of come across the, the screen not the screen but yeah. in front of you mm. and the person wouldn't be aware so you looking at me you wouldn't know that anything's happened to me but I would be aware that mm. something's changing in my visual perception or mm. auditory hallucinations or even certain taste or even the way that the room looks could change so it could start growing larger or it could start to shrink for example mm -hmm. all these are actually different types of focal or partial seizures um, depending on where they sit so temporal so if you have a look at temporal lobe epilepsy or temporal lobe seizures mm. that often manifests with auditory hallucinations but also with um, changes in emotion so fear and anxiety can actually be common manifestations of temporal lobe epilepsy but also the way you perceive things like Lewis Carroll who wrote Alice in Wonderland yeah. so he had temporal lobe epilepsy and it's noted that he put some of his experiences into the book in which things would grow larger and then things would shrink smaller because that's how he would often experience the world when he was undergoing his seizures. Goodness. Yeah. So depending mm. on where it is, so, you know, you've got a motor part of your brain called the motor cortex and there's yep. a map of the whole body on the motor cortex of the brain. And so if a seizure happens here, then whichever part of the body is mapped to that part of the brain will start to move. Uh, the, now, the parts of the body that have the most fine motor control, like the hands and the face, mm. have larger parts of the brain dedicated to it, which means for seizures in that motor area, the most common way that they manifest would be movement of the hands and face. Yep. Now, this is different to, so this is a focal or partial seizure, so a very specific localized area. This is different to the types of seizures you'd think about when you, uh, just when somebody talks about epilepsy or a seizure, mm. or when you watch it in a movie where they collapse to the ground and the whole body is jerking mm. and writhing. Mm. That's called a grand mal seizure or a tonic-clonic seizure. The whole brain's basically firing off yeah. here, yep. and full body muscular contraction and relaxation happens. So that's quite different to the partial focal seizures. With the grand mal seizure, what has happened in the brain, and is it triggered by something, or does something just happen in the brain that, that sets off a seizure? So there's multiple causes. Do you have any causes there, Matt? So do you, want, do you want to do causes of epilepsy first yeah. or do you want to do the triggers of it? No, no, do causes first. Okay, so as Mike said in terms of just seizures, so if you were to present to ED like this person did and mm. it was their first ever seizure, the first thing that the doctors would want to ascertain was there's no underlying cause. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes people could have a seizure just by high amounts of stress or from drug interactions, or they might have electric, elect, electrolyte imbalances, so too much calcium, too much sodium, or not enough calcium, not enough sodium, or infections, or, or tumours, or something like that. Mm -hmm. But with epilepsy, they've potentially, well, let's say 60% straight, straight off the bat uh, is unknown. We just don't know what's caused it. And mm -hmm. so that's primary epilepsy. 
Secondary epilepsy is it's caused by something, but that's changed the brain. So that could be from a car accident where you had serious brain injury or you might have had a fall or you might have had a stroke or you might have had an illness like meningitis or encephalitis. So these things can change the brain, which then leads to epilepsy, which is just this ongoing, non-provoked um, mm. seizures. So there's a a first event possibly that's caused it, but now there's nothing underlying and they just continue to have these um, seizures or ongoing seizures. And as Mike said, it can present in a whole different way. So it can be quite severe like the tonic clonics or it could be absent. Mm. So they're just kind of daydreaming almost. Yeah. And so like you said before, you can have triggers for seizures um, and they can be variable for different people. So like you said, maybe strobe lights could mm. set it off. Um, maybe other certain sensory events could set it off. Um, sometimes hyperventilation can set off some of the misfirings of the neurons. So there's multiple different types of triggers. Yeah, so when you look at this, the, the triggers for epilepsy, so now we're just focusing on epilepsy, so what can bring the seizures on for these people? So there's four categories. There's physical causes, there's emotional, environmental, and ingested causes. So when we think of physical, the most common cause of a physical um, trigger is missed medication, so mm -hmm. they forget taking the medication. This can also be impacted if they've got an illness like vomiting or diarrhea and the medication's not been absorbed properly and so that could be an issue. It can also be induced by hormonal changes, so um, more so for women in this case where they might be coming into menstrual cycle or going to mm -hmm. menopause, that's going to change things around. And then also sleep deprivation. So in this case of this, this boy who had it presented to ED, he had a big night out partying, um, so that it might be the sleep irregularities that could to mm. bring on. And that's in the physical. Emotional just basically goes with stress. So that could be anxiety, sadness, even excitement. So would we assume then that um, the epilepsy had always been there and just the person either had never been stressed enough or because a lot of people get stressed without... Mm. Without getting, uh, without having an epileptic seizure, yeah. or is it just that the brain has changed so much, or something has happened within the brain that you didn't have epilepsy, and then something has happened, and now you do have epilepsy? Yeah, so that's the secondary causes. So where you've yep. had brain changes from something else, but you can have the primary, which is the majority of sixty percent of people have a primary cause, which is probably not known mm. but sometimes in it must be so frustrating like if you mm. have epilepsy and you really don't know what's caused it that that would be frustrating for oh, you yeah absolutely and, and for researchers yeah well we know that there's genetic underpinnings to yeah. some mm -hmm. types of epilepsy yep um but if you have a look you'll find that for infants children epilepsy is far more common than it is for adults mm. and statistically 10 percent of individuals will have had at least one epileptic sorry, one seizure, at least mm. one seizure event before the age of 16. So, you know, that's one in 10, which is quite a, a large number. Yeah. And the reason why we think it happens more often in children than in adults is that they basically have an immature nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so they've got a whole bunch of neurons there that haven't been trimmed yet because as you get older, you actually start to trim those neurons away. Um, 
and it's predominantly an excitable environment. So we've got a lot of neurons that send excitable signals and inhibitory signals, and with epilepsy, it's a whole bunch of excitatory signals being mm. sent out. And children have a whole bunch of excitatory signals being sent out in an immature system. And so they think that when a child becomes febrile or get a, gets a fever, mm. that this sort of basically pushes down this cascading event to have a seizure. ABC Radio, Brisbane and Queensland. You're with Kelly Higgins-Devine tonight. It's uh, 19 past eight. And this is The Human Body with Dr. Matt Barton and Dr. Mike Dodorovich from Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast. And tonight, because it's Epilepsy Week, we're uh, telling you all about, well, I'm asking questions. I can tell you nothing about epilepsy, but uh, Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike certainly can. All right, so with that, have, have we done seizure and seizure types? Have we already talked about that? Did I leap forward in the questioning process? I think I well, there's a couple Well, there's a couple more seizure types that I can talk about. So yep. if we look at the generalised versus the focal or partial types. Hmm. So the generalised basically means, like I said, both hemispheres are being affected, neurons are misfiring in both sides of the brain. Focused, one side of the brain, localised particular area. The other thing that is, uh, classifies these two is that with generalised, the individual becomes unconscious. Mm -hmm. And with partial, they don't become unconscious. Now, if we look at those generalised, the two most common types are the grand mal seizures that we call the tonic-clonic seizures and the absence seizures that we call the petite mal mm -hmm. seizures. Now, the tonic-clonic basically is, like I said, that's the one we see the individual falling to the ground, writhing, jerking. Uh, Tonic-clonic just means um, forced contraction, holding an extended period of time in, in contraction, and then relaxation. Mm. Um, yep. Now, when this happens, because the body contracts so strongly, air gets forced out, and one of the first things you actually hear is like a, a, a small cry because air is escaping from the glottis, from the airways. And then they collapse, lose consciousness, may not breathe for up to a minute because of the contraction oh and, and writhing. So they yep. can often go blue in the face. Mm -hmm. And then usually within two minutes or so, um, the tonic-clonic contractions start to slow down and the individual begins to breathe again. And then often takes a couple more minutes before they wake up and usually a bit dazed, confused, headache mm. and so forth. When you look at the petite male or the absent seizures, these don't last for that long, usually around about 20, 30 seconds. And the individual may be just having a conversation like this. And then all of a sudden they just stop and they sort of gaze away like they're daydreaming and they are not with us consciously mm. anymore. So something's happened where they've drifted away and then they come straight back to where they were, had no idea that it happened, continue with the conversation. That's a petite male. And that's more common in children, right? And that one's far more common in children. Often mm. the teacher's the first to actually notice the petite yeah. male seizure. Yeah. And is that because the parents, if they're, if they're not used to it themselves, um, just don't know what they're looking for? I must admit, I might not know one if I saw one, if I was with somebody and it happened. Yeah, it's, well, it's quite Hopefully difficult. Hopefully not in the because, middle of an interview. Well, <laughs> true. Yeah. Kids are, you know, kids can be strange, right? Yeah. And so well, you don't true. know whether a kid's just daydreaming or being a mm. little bit weird or whatever it may be. But I think when in the students or kids send a spend a significant amount of time with their teachers, especially mm. when they're younger, and teachers probably have a better eye for those types of things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, mm. teachers are often the first to, to witness petite male. So, uh, on that, how then is epilepsy diagnosed? Can it be diagnosed before you ever have a seizure? So or is that unlikely? I would say it's unlikely. You may be predisposed mm -hmm. due to injury, due to 
uh, underlying genetics. But in order to diagnose a seizure, a couple of things, like Matt said, is a history. So yeah. patient history. And also, if somebody has witnessed you having a seizure, that evidence, that history of what actually happened during the seizure is extremely important. They can also put mm. some electrodes on your scalp which is called an EEG, electroencephalogram, yeah. and that just has a look at uh, electrical signals that are being fired off in the brain. And so they can mm. do certain things, certain stresses to try and push you to a particular point to see whether the neurons are firing off normally or abnormally. Mm. And they can also do certain scans like MRIs, PET scans, CTs, just have a look at the brain to see if there's any abnormal structures there that may be causing the seizures. I think the EEG is the gold standard mm. to diagnose because with mm. epilepsy, you want to remove all the other possible causes, and then the EEG is the gold standard. But I think they also use that when they're trying to ascertain whether a person is kind of coming off the medication. So yeah. sometimes they do sleep deprivation studies with an EEG and see how the brain in that stress. It's similar to a stress test with an ECG. Mm -hmm. So sleep deprivation is like putting a person on a treadmill for your heart. So it puts their brain under pressure. Yep. And if their um, the rhythms in their brain go out of whack, then that's an indication that maybe they're coming into a, a possibility of a seizure or something like mm. that. Why is it that people sometimes can't, uh, like they don't know what's happening to them? What has happened in the brain that they don't understand? Or the, the, there's nothing that sort of says... Um, get to a safe place because you're about to have a seizure. So some people do get these auras yep. prior to having a seizure and that may be able to warn them, give them enough time to say, okay, I'm going to lie down or sit down or tell mm. somebody. Uh, but a lot of the times that doesn't necessarily happen. Why that's the case, we don't really know. Mm -hmm. um, the, what's, the, the complexities of seizures are quite difficult to sort of, pull apart yeah. um, because they're involving billions of neurons firing off in this unpatterned way it's hard to sort of all we know is that that part of the brain does this therefore when it's in that area they'll manifest like this but why that's really happening is quite difficult all right um, how do we treat epilepsy nowadays so there's a couple of different ways i mean there's pharmacological intervention so drugs that can be used and mm -hmm. what these drugs generally do is they just dampen down that electrical, those electrical signals that are being sent by the brain. Yep. So I said that earlier, you've got this, these excitable signals that can be sent and these inhibitory mm -hmm. signals. So one of the inhibitory signals is a neurotransmitter called GABA. So some of the drugs like to increase the amount of GABA available and that will inhibit neuronal signals. Another way is that there's two um, chemicals that sit around our fluid of our cells called calcium and sodium, and mm -hmm. they're positively charged. When a neuron sends a signal, all they're doing, any time that you're listening to me and that signal's going to your brain to make sense or you touch something mm. to feel it, all that is, we always think of it as an electrical signal, it's simply sodium jumping into neurons in this domino-like fashion, running all the way down a neuron. So that's all that is. So it's a positive signal jumping in and this positive signal being sent down a neuron. So we need to stop this positive signal. Now, sodium jumping into the cell is one of those positive signals, so we can block sodium, mm -hmm. and calcium has a positive charge to it, and so we can block calcium. So if we block those two positive charges from jumping into a neuron, then we can stop the excitatory signal being sent. So there's other drugs that stop the sodium, stop the calcium. All right, and, and that I mean, will help. 
And then yep. the opposite ones is you can open the doors for the, the negative ones like chloride. Mm -hmm. And that's how they gather ones like benzodiazepines, like diazepam mm -hmm. or Valium. That can be used and that can be actually used during a fit. That's probably the first drug that they'll give to someone if they're having a, a fit to, to try and stop it would be a Valium. And that puts the negative um, ions into the, um, the neuron and that hopefully brings the threshold down. And so that's pharmacological, and that's quite good for around about 75% of cases mm -hmm. is a pharmacological intervention. Then you've got surgical intervention, which is uh, most often used for the focal seizures, very mm -hmm. specific parts of the brain. They can cut it out, um, or they can even just zap it with a laser. Often the temporal lobe, so the most common type of focal or partial seizure is that of the temporal lobe seizure. Mm -hmm. um, and so the most common type is the surgical intervention for that. And then there's some other types of intervention which can include dietary intervention or even uh, a vagal dietary nerve. Dietary intervention? Yeah, so there's, there's a little bit of evidence, and I do not condone the use of this without consulting your healthcare professional, or mm -hmm. specifically your neurologist. Yep. Um, but uh, there's some evidence that suggests that a, a ketogenic diet, which is Mm -hmm. very high in fat, low in carbohydrates, yep. can actually help minimize... almost no carbs. Almost mm. no carbs. Kilos, yeah. yeah. It's hardcore. It? Around about 5 to 10 carb grams of carbs per day, quite minimal. Yep. Um, <laughs> Which is like 2 grains of rice. <laughs> it's really, really hard. I looked much. at keto diets because they're supposed to be good for weight loss very fast, and I just went, yeah, I couldn't do that. Well, the concept <laughs> of keto go, is... No. It uses wow. the fat. When the glucose is low, it uses yep. fat and turns the fat into a substrate of energy that can be used by the brain. Because the mm. brain only wants sugar, only yep. wants glucose. And so in this situation, we're dropping blood glucose, we're increasing the amount of fats, using the fats as an energy source for the brain. We don't know why mm. it seems to be, um, seems to be beneficial for now th these are usually refractory types of epilepsy yeah. so that means drugs are no longer working for them mm -hmm. that's only when the neurologist and the patient have the conversation about whether this type of diet would benefit or yeah. not don't but, go on it yourself with that this is what we're trying no, to not say at all. no don't go on it yourself without asking a medical definitely don't want to change your diet significantly when you mm. have seizures and epilepsy and the other one is vagal nerve stimulation okay so the vagus nerve is called the the wandering nerve and mm -hmm. it's the one nerve that goes from the brain down, talks to the lungs, talks to the heart, talks to the GIT. Mm -hmm. And if you stimulate it for some reason, it sends signals back to the brain and suppresses the brain from sending these excitatory signals. All right. It sounds like there's still a lot that they don't know, though, that medicine doesn't know yeah. about epilepsy. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, think of the drugs, the drugs that we give to, mm. to suppress it. I mean, we use neurons for everything. And so some, yep. some of the common side effects for some of these pharmacological drugs is a bit yeah. tired yeah. and foggy. And mm. it's so hard. you're picking one, one over the other. Yeah. You've got to weigh it's the, you know, it's that yeah. sort of uh, pros and cons need to be weighed up. Um, what should we do if, if we're near somebody and uh, they experience a tonic seizure? So I got this off the um, Epilepsy Action Australia website. So it's epilepsy.org.au. So first of all, they just said, um, or they advise a person with epilepsy to make a seizure management plan. And so that would mm -hmm. be if it's for a child within the school and if it's for an adult within the workplace. And this could be important to give people within the workplace or the school information about emergency contacts, seizure medical information, what kind of medications work and what you should give in a seizure. Mm -hmm. So that helps with your colleagues. But 
if the if the person was actually having a tonic clonic seizure, so this is where they fall on the ground, they're all tensed up and they start jerking. So first of all, I'll ask you, Kel. Yep. What's the things that you shouldn't do? Uh, yeah, I would imagine. Uh, you shouldn't try to stop them from moving. Yep, so you shouldn't restrain them. Yep, uh, but that old thing of, you know, grabbing their tongue, I would say that is a no-no. Don't they... Good. You know, you will either get bitten or... or No, just don't do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, What else would I say? I'd maybe... Just try to make sure they were as safe as they could be in that Mm. space, take out anything that they might hurt themselves on uh, when it was happening. That's good. That's what I've got. So basically you don't try to restrain them and you don't put anything in their mouth. Yep. And you generally don't try to move them Mm -hmm. unless they have something in their mouth and then you might try to turn them. Yep. Um, If you can, you could put something under their head or even your hand if you can. Mm -hmm. Um, You stay with them and you try to time the seizure to see how long it's gone for. As Mike said, it usually should go for about a minute, not Mm -hmm. much longer. So it's important to document that, not only to tell them, but it could be the first time they're having it, so yep. you need to have this information. Uh, once they're finished, once they're finished fitting, then you can roll them onto their side. This is like the recovery position, and then you should kind of monitor and look at their breathing. Um, reassure them once they come conscious and just talk to them hmm. as best you can. I mean, if they've um, wet themselves, then you might want to look at maybe putting a, a jumper or something over them to help yeah, with that Yeah, try to give as much dignity as you mm. can. Yeah. yeah, and then in terms of when should you call an ambulance, I guess being safe is mm. the most important thing. So if you're unsure, it's probably better to call than not. Yep. Um, if you can see a physical injury has occurred, then you would call. If they've got some breathing issues, if they've had mm. the fit, the seizure, and then they had another one straight after without a, really any break, then you should call emergency for that. And if it's gone longer than five minutes. Oh, that, five minutes would be forever, wouldn't yeah. it? That's called status epilepticus. And that's it, an emergency. So. Yeah, oh, that's goodness. a big yeah. emergency. Yeah. Yeah, so good having you guys in tonight. Thanks, uh, good of you to make it, Matt. Um, <laughs> Dr. Matt Barton and Dr. Mike Todorovic from Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast. And uh, you can get that wherever you usually get your podcast. Thanks, lads. Thanks, Thank Kel. You.